0: We are not on a defensive-like conquest where we're trying to uh, hoard off thousands of occupying soldiers, but we are still celebrating 300, which means it is time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting way easier, times 300, outside of the cage. I am your host, Kevin, with me, of course... Who I believe would be either the Xerxes-like character or the person trying to make a deal somewhere. I don't know. You got a lot of pride. I I just like, this is your fault, by the way, for planning the 300 uh, in my head with your meme work. With me, of course, Rafa Sparza. Rafa, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing very well. Did you know that yesterday was SummerSlam?
0: I did know that. I saw yeah. someone post something that said this is SummerSlam. That's why I knew
1: that. that. Yes, that, that was a very important way you. of telling. <laughs> I, I honestly I didn't post anything about it. Okay. Uh, so Kev, we saw a weekend where Ronda Rousey was the first female to win both the UFC title in her career as well as the women's championship.
0: Oh. So there's that. There's a new champ in town
1: is what we're saying? Absolutely. Brock Lesnar loses. And then AJ Agazarm gave the weirdest post-match promo that I think we've ever seen.
0: To fight Brock Lesnar? In what? Uh, No, 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 no.
1: I feel like Kasai was the undercard to NXT, which is the undercard to... SummerSlam. I hope that had more st- finishes. Yeah. <laughs> just as you a know, subtle definitely more entertaining. Inside. And fight me on that. But I'll tell you this, Kev. <laughs> I was having an issue um, falling asleep yesterday, and I just put on Kasai, and I... <laughs> out. Just.
0: I was like, let's put that AJ Gilbert match on. That ought to, that ought to knock oh, me man. right out. Looks hot, exhausting,
1: <laughs> nothing really happens. Not going to miss anything. I'm going to let you guys in on a little bit of my process. I don't just come on here and get highlights i when i am on this microphone put in my work do the due diligence and when i heard that the craig jones match with rusimar polaris was hot garbage i said man i have to watch all this don't i and i sat there eric medina sitting next to me and oh says, you
0: heard it was hot garbage before yeah. So you got did Eric and, you know, going into it then that it we was both to be had
1: heard, but Eric had just walked in from getting food. And I said, hey, sit down. And he goes, why? And I go, because did you see the Polaris uh, Craig Jones match? And he goes, no, but I heard it was bad. And I go, exactly. Sit down because I need someone else to fucking live through this experience like I am. And Kev, it was worse. And Eric felt like I was holding him against his will. And I said, well, I have to watch all of it because I have to come on here and tell the people. And guess what? If you watch one minute of it, just watch that and know it doesn't get any better.
0: I don't remember. Yeah. Do we can I rip the bandaid off? I mean, 300. (laughs) We're feeling as feisty as ever about grappling because I would have thought we would have fixed this by now. It turns out MMA fighters, not the best in the transition to grappling. So as a highlight and an overall, but Paul Harris, I remember fighting previously to this one. This one, he had uh, what seemed to be no interest.
1: Well, Kev, you have to ask yourself, if you're carrying around 33 extra pounds. Okay, I can put myself, that's not that hard for me to uh, fathom. Yeah, but maybe of the steroid nature. Oh, questionably. oh so, We're not no, sure. yeah,
0: not of muscle and athleticism. No, I just, the 33 oh. extra pounds, it was like, got that
1: part. So I'm with so you. When Craig Jones says, yeah, I'm going to pull guard because that's what I do. And also, I mean, I'm Craig Jones. What else am I going to do? Not if either. I can't get a Z guard, do I even breathe? <laughs> so... He's doing as best he can to try and engage and butt scooting forward. And Rusmar Polaris is just kind of framing him away and keeping his legs back, which sounds way better when you explain it like this than what it really is. But in actuality, he's just disengaging and just pushing Craig Jones off and then kind of going backwards. So it's not like it's anything that we hoped it would be. But I will say, Kevin, I did predict that Craig Jones would win. That's true. Uh, Several people did.
0: Few predicted by... (laughs) Hold on. To the haters who have said you can't win a fight just boot scooting around. Fucking dare you to watch this (laughs) and say that out loud again. Because I watched uh, old craig -er from the land down under. But scoot his way to certain victory.
1: He, he did. Bless his soul. <laughs> hey.
0: It was
1: Keenan's just, it was vindicated, Raph. He's <laughs> vindicated. It's just weird in that we remember a Russimal Polaris that fought Gary Tonin in a grappling match. And it's one of the best things to watch. It was exciting. Gary was a smaller guy who was running circles around uh, Polaris and It was uh, something that we all were highly entertained. If you don't have somebody who knows anything about grappling, that's a perfect example of, look at this. This is fun, right? And people say, yeah, it was actually a fun match to watch. This was the opposite. So now we're sitting here, and it brought back memories of Brandon Schaub. And when you bring up memories of Brandon Schaub, that's when you know you're doing jujitsu a disservice. But I digress, Kev. I just want to make sure that that people understand. It was, and I understood. I think it was actually uh, Palmer who said it himself. But, guys, we're not going to let that bad Kasai drag us down. We couldn't. We wouldn't, and we won't. We respect you too much for that. And, yes, we might not even acknowledge the fact that Ruzumal Polaris himself said, you know what? It's going to be a fun match. We're going to make history. That's how good this match is going to be. You definitely did make history, but for the wrong reasons. We're just not going to mention that. We're going to stay on a positive level, Kevin. Is that
0: what was written in his hair? This is going to be a good match. I'm going to make history. I didn't see it, but I I was
1: trying to make it out. Honestly, it looked like he went to his barber and said, have you seen the movie Signs? (laughs) (laughs) I want to say He goes, could you just put that in my hair, please? Everybody's joking, but Mel Gibson
0: saw it and knew exactly what it
1: meant (laughs) and got in touch with him shortly after the match. I also thought at a certain point, if somewhere in his hair he had carved essentially the OJ admission of if I did it, like, (laughs) I'm totally on the sauce. If I'd held. Oh, I thought it was going to be if I'd held the submission.
0: No. (laughs) Which just an interesting Fast Tense version of it.
1: That is a very interesting Fast Tense version (laughs) of it. And then I guess just one last thing on that. I looked at it. It was very strange. That hair, at one point I wondered if it had the print symbol in it. But again, Kevin, we're not going to let Rusevall Polaris drag us down. You know they talked about it. They did talk about it. His hair. You're supposed to talk about it. I guess his friend – (laughs) <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. But yeah, tell what his friend did. His friend is a barber.
0: It was like, I, can I cut your hair? I have an idea. And I, that was the idea, presumably. His barber didn't get on to confirm, though we had time to get in touch with him too. Frankly, we could have spent minutes five through 15 calling him up, asking what the F happened. There was a lot of time on our hands. Speaking of time on our hands, real quick, Raph, I want to do a, a pre-show shout-out. Not pre. I mean, we're already mm. we've already started the show, but I think all of our fans know. Have we? <laughs> I mean, mm. have we? Mm. This goes out to the Beat family from Lee Anthony Beat. Apparently, across the pond, listeners Raph, Though when I saw Lee Anthony Beat and uh, Birmingham, I was like, "Oh, gotcha." Yeah, that's the Southern family. No, it is not. Lee Anthony beat, despite having a very um, historical-sounding connotation in United States lore, um, he was not the person that was involved in the whole Lincoln assassination. Just a fan of the show, and so is his family, Raph. We have a family that listens. Made my
1: week. Oh. Well, that does make my week as well, Kev. I mean, I just want to make sure that the whole family gathers around – It's like prime radio listening. Gather around, kids. We're going to find out how shitty Raph's (laughs) half guard is this week. They did not indicate if they plug it into like
0: an old-timey radio and gather around. But I do like that. We just – no one
1: does that anymore. That's for sure. They should. They 100% should. And we want to say thank you so much. And this is by extension representative of so many other people who listen to us. And uh, have listened to us for 300 episodes. We decided we were going to do something to make it worth your while. We've brought on guests before. Some of them good. Uh, most of them pretty good. Sorry about this Gary guest, again. We've had yeah, a lot sorry of, like, about it's him. It's
0: just, you know, we get it. We've heard the
1: feedback. We've seen the reviews. We just like him. So, yeah, I'm you know, sorry. Message her. Gary about. Gary said something where he goes, hey, can I be on the 300th episode? No. Absolutely not. Are, no. are, you, are you kidding? You think you're special. Gary didn't even go to Kasai this weekend, and I was originally giving him so much shit about it. And then I saw what Kasai was and said, no, you made the right choice to go to your friend's wedding. You're a genius. Even though Gary does not believe in the institution of marriage, mostly because no girl will ever give him the time of day. That's not either here nor there. We have an amazing person that's going to be coming on. We're going to talk – Kasai with them, we're gonna talk Quintet with them, we're gonna talk about Sakuraba with this person, but of course, we're gonna ask the questions that you guys want to hear about him and AJ Agazarm because Lord knows, Kevin. That just happened. It, and you could have convinced me it was
0: SummerSlam, briefly. There was so many yes. people on the mat after it was like, wow, I guess we're yeah, I forget jujitsu has zero security, so it's
1: just that uh, no one's, no one's going to stop anyone. Especially when John Calstein just goes up there and I go, No one's stopping this? And they go, Yeah, you get up there. And I go, Oh my God, this is. My family gatherings have more security than this. <laughs> I understand it's hard to block black belts from walking up, but I'm pretty sure most of us are so polite. In the sport of jiu-jitsu, you just put an arm out and they go, all right, I'll sit back down. But nope, nope. We got the weirdest things possible uh, for a very strange event. And, of course, this was the moment people were talking about because lots of shit talking ensued. So, yes, we will be chatting with our good friend Gio Martinez in just a second. But we want to make sure that you guys are prepared because we get all the goods about – all of the amazingness that was Quintet, and you know, Kev, no appearances without hearing a little bit about, you know, maybe points and how sometimes they can suck when not done properly. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> you can kind of just venture to say, in 300 episodes, we still haven't made Jiu-Jitsu popular. We're very sorry, everybody, and we're working on it. We're trying. But
0: for this episode, what I think everyone needs to do is strap on their secure underwear. You know Mm -mm. what I'm talking
1: about. Yes, I do.
0: NorthSouthJiuJitsu.com. The only underwear that could keep you protected from all of life's elements, which coincidentally you will find on a grappling mat. People trying to grab at the drawstring and they know what they're doing. You can't grab those North Souths. Too much, too much elastic. They're going to grab those Hanes for sure, tear them. You're going to be hanging crack halfway through class and just embarrassed. Not with your north-souths. People are going to know. And then when they try and they see that label, they're going to be like, oh, I shouldn't even attempt this move because this person is serious. That's the power of great training gear. Head on o- head on over to northsouthjiu I got excited. I ran over. They have out a new product, Raph. Mm. New arrivals. Navy. That's mm. all I'm going to say. You know it's my favorite geek color. But that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I that's will all I'm say, gonna that. say. I'll, I'll hint at this for you. It looks
1: great with purple. Just Thanks. throwing that out there. Navy looks well, great fine. with purple. I'm very excited for that. However, Kev, I think, is there anything more embarrassing than being on your shoulders, kind of almost inverted, your legs over your head, and when somebody's trying to pass, you having the wrong kind of underwear. Because you didn't do anything. You're not the one passing. You just chose poorly with the type of support. And when you do look stupid, there's not much you can do while in a panda position, rolling upside down and going, my crack showing, isn't it? All right. Well, good thing I didn't listen to Raf and Kev. And we had somebody this week tell us, you know, I'll be damned if you guys weren't right. These north-south are the truth. So don't take it from us. Take it from Verbal Tap listeners worldwide. Kevin. I want to tell you about CoreFit because I'm excited about the prospect of CoreFit. I know what Core is, and I know it's not going to taste very different, but I'm seriously just sitting here waiting to find out what CoreFit is going to taste like. Do you know why? Their products all taste good.
0: So I'm assuming, per you and I, I mean, fitness is something we could add more to
1: our diets in general, right? I'm honestly believing the more I drink the more fit i'm going to be amen that's it's right there in
0: the title and this is a place where that stuff's all proven
1: yes it's in the you name. can find out more by going to provennutrition.com. there is our sponsor dump and you know what credit to our sponsors because you don't just make 300 of these episodes doing nothing you make it with the support of the people who actually pay because the sport is poor And we appreciate our sponsors.
0: You literally make it because you were able to drink core and it kept you awake (laughs) and gave you the endorphin firing your mind needs to either defend off a vicious choke and or ask Gio Martinez cool questions. Yes, there's a little in the business. What we call a segue. Yep
1: rap just sent me
0: a business terms memo Mm. about podcasting and in it i I saw segway so thank you rap for that little
1: memo you're welcome i try to keep this show as professional as possible at all times but instead kevin i think it is time for us shall we make the transition over to talking to geo right now Uh,
0: i'll save my david and goliath comments for when we have time Raph.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, 300 episodes of Verbal Tap means, well, it's big. It's a giant milestone for myself and Kevin, for many of you who listen as well. So we thought, well, Kev, how did we go about the process of figuring out who was going to guest on episode 300? We basically, we were like, let's wishlist this.
0: And mm-hmm. then it happened that a huge moment, um, somebody, I'm not going to name names yet because that's the reveal, mm-hmm. but somebody mm-hmm. choked the biggest human being I've ever seen. Like an amazing (laughs) moment of
1: jujitsu jitsu stunness. We were like, that's 300. We got to talk to this guy. (laughs) And not just that, but uh, we decided to remedy something that has bugged us in Verbal Tap lore, which is a long time ago, our guest won a huge tournament. And I was the only one to interview him for the podcast here. Kevin actually was really sick and... It was a great interview. It's one of our best ones, except Kevin wasn't on it. So I'm not going to take read anything into that, by the way. I'm just gonna. <laughs> so anyway, we decided we would bring on a fan, a friend, a great human being, an all-around busy person, and uh, somebody who we thought would be uh, truly uh, somebody to commemorate this special occasion. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Gio Martinez. Gio, how are you doing, sir?
2: No, so I'm doing excellent. How's everyone going? I'm, I'm here just ready to talk to you guys. Just got out of practice, you know, had a busy weekend, but I'm feeling good, man. I'm living it.
1: That's awesome, dude. I have to start off right off the back with uh, saying you did agree when you did this interview to renounce your master, um, and that, that was where we were going <laughs> to oh, start. God. He
0: will know. do no other podcasts. Wait, how does it work, Raph, <laughs> on this that, side? I, I, I struggle I, to follow it.
1: I just thought that we made up rules as okay. we go along. Yeah. we yeah. <laughs> just make things up. What happens, rules. right? We can make up our own rules. Now, well,
2: let's
1: That's get what this out of doing. The, That's the new thing. Let's get this out of the way because, Gio, the the weird perception here is that he is using pro wrestling tactics to be the heel, <laughs> to be the guy who's antagonizing people, and yet AJ right. arm may not even consider the fact that you yourself. Grew up watching pro wrestling, so you're not Uh, new to this. You know what this is, and yet even you're like, "Yeah, "Yeah, no, I'm good." It's it's kind of
2: it's to the point. It's just it's kind of I enjoy it because people really get heated. You know, people really it really bothers them. You know, AJ's uh, actions and stuff like that really bother people. But to me, it's like he he stole his gimmick. It's not even original. So to me it's like maybe if he came with like something original, something different,
1: mm-hmm. I would be
2: a little bit more impressed. But the fact that his gimmick's been done so many times and it's kinda becoming the big thing with Conor McGregor and a little bit of Shel soning in there. It and it just feels like forced. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it's really his character, you know what I mean? But but he wants to play that role. But I, I look at him as like a fat boy. You know, that's why I like that's why I always look at him like He's like a frat boy trying hard to to be this badass, like martial artist dude. On you know, that will take any match against anybody, and you know, his super elite grappler and all that. That's cool and all, but his gimmick is just coming across douchey and fake. You know, it's not even. I can't even enjoy it. I just, I, I really, in my opinion, I just, you know, I, I try not to give him too much. Credit for that gimmick because it's not original, you know, so I try not to acknowledge it too much I just kind of laugh at it if anything
1: Where do you think because he seems to try to couple it It's like trying to ascribe the fact that you agreed to terms and then when you're injured Saying you dropped out of the match because you didn't agree to the terms. I mean (laughs) under what absurdity? Would we have ever seen you renounce Eddie Bravo? Like I just I don't understand what the purpose of that <laughs> just, is to begin with. Like just to yeah, be like yeah. a loser leaves town match, but the loser right. happens to have to renounce their whole history. Like it just doesn't make sense. Right. And again, this is <laughs> coming from like, a pro wrestling it's kind fan. Like
2: the Michaels. It's kind <laughs> of Michaels, like the Shawn Michaels gimmick. Like you know, you lose WrestleMania and you quit forever. You know, you quit wrestling and stuff. Kind of kind of reminds me of that a little bit, you know what I mean? But like, why why would I even put my team on the line? Even if I was confident going up against a white belt or something, that, that a guy that I know I could just destroy, I still wouldn't do that. It's just the honor of my team. I would never bet my team on the line. It's like putting your family on the line. Like I'll, I'll, I'll bet my family on the line. If I win, you know I, I get whatever I get the championship. And if I lose. Then you can have my family, and I, I never see my family again. It just doesn't work that way. Well, like this is more than just a like a weekend thing for me. Like ten planet Jiu-Jitsu is my life. Like it's my family. My my business is everything I do. Why would I ever renounce that? I never even agreed to it. I never even said I didn't even give them any kind of attention to that because I I just thought that was so ridiculous. It's just like okay, you call the shots now. You make the rules. Like where? Why would you? be able to call the shots why would you be able to you know uh tell me what happens if i win or lose why would i give you that power like what are you fucking shane mcmahon you know what i mean like Damn. like you don't have that power like you know it's not like you're o- the owner of bjj or or something like <laughs> that it just doesn't make sense you're just another grappler another black boat that is a fucking check sh- or sorry i'm cutting too much another black boat is a shit talker you know what i mean that he just talks a lot of crap so that's cool you could do all that but you cannot make the rules. You know, maybe if we you throw your own event and maybe you could do something there, but I will never, ever leave my crew. It just doesn't make sense to
0: me.
1: See, you know, but the thing wouldn't... that you're describing is with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, like the right. two of them are in on it because Shawn Michaels says to him, Hey, dude, I want to retire. So could you beat me so that I can just be done? Like that's the whole aspect of it that goes on behind the scenes, which is why it's not like it's a shoot (laughs) match. And then Shawn Michaels goes, well, it's been a good run. Thanks everybody. Right. Cause that's how things go. Um, Kev. Okay. Okay. Kev, what has been your perception of this? Because whereas Geo and I grew up with wrestling and are fans, Kev, you're not a, a, as big of a fan or one no. at all. So what is your perception as you're seeing all this?
0: Well, and I also am non-Tenth Planet. Raph, you famously started with Tenth Planet and stick very yeah. close to them, uh, friend and training-wise. Geo, one of their most prolific competitive black belts. So, one... When you say you have family in the game, I would be saying it metaphorically. You are actually not. Your brother is also a 10th player. Right. So there is there's a genuine, like, what are you asking? You want to, like, not be a <laughs> Martinez next? <laughs> uh, ask. I right. mean, we can see if AJ wants to denounce being blonde or a douchebag. But I don't think he's going to want to depart from that either.
1: I this just thought, though, right. I thought, though, that your stipulation, uh, and again, this would this is in fantasy world because it's ridiculous. Your stipulation should have been like, well, you have to find a team <laughs> that yeah. can stand Everyone's you. What I told
2: him, I like, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense because you don't have a real team. It doesn't make sense because you don't have. I can't be like, all right, you put your team online and I will put my team online because he doesn't really have a real team, and it's kind of it's it's kind of sad that he wants to attack me and my team and stuff like that because it's like part of me, you know, part of it. I feel like he's really jealous of, of what 10 Planet is doing, you know, What the, you know, obviously we, we get a lot of love nowadays, you know, with Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo, and I feel back in the day like it was the opposite, you know, I mean, nowadays things change, people like us, people want to hang out, train with us, they see that it's a different culture, even though it's all Jiu-Jitsu, it's a different kind of culture, and um, he wants to be part of it one way or another, and I think his way of, you know, trying to connect with us is trying to, trying to be, you know, against us even though he secretly probably loves us. That's what I really believe. I think he really listens to Joe Rogan, Eddie Bravo podcast all day, and it's like, hopefully one day they'll say my name. Please, God, please say my name. And <laughs> it just hasn't happened because no one cares about him. Simple as I mean,
1: that. Here's the fun part, is that we know it's for show, so the idea of these coming up with one-liners and him becoming this beat poet, and taking photos (laughs) of himself and doing all that like i get it i understand and it's it's dressing to this thing however i would say this though as i see him doing this and i just see myself laughing and going is this where we are right now i do want to move on but the only thing i wanted to ask was what the hell was the chaos of when it's happening at Kasai, and I want you to describe it to us because then there's also John Callestine who's walking up there. Nikki Ryan is somehow in the mix, and it made me think, is this like a triple threat match that we need to put together? Is this some sort of weird uh, sort of contingency rules that we need to do? And I like the fact that you actually said you're like, one of us is going to get it, and I honestly don't even care who it is. You just all look like right. you're waiting for at-bats on a pinata.
2: It, that's, that's the thing, is like, like, people, like, are always gonna wanna compete against AJ because people hate him, you know what I mean, like, and that's kinda a good thing he, that he has going, it's like, he's gonna keep getting matches because people are gonna wanna beat him, you know, and people are gonna wanna see him get beat, and, you know, AJ, as much as I, I, I don't really care for him much, you know, he's been in the game for a while, he has some good, you know, won some good matches, done some good stuff, and people, people, you know, he, he seen him go hard, and, He's a real competitor, but I think people more rather watch him lose at this point. So back to the Kasai thing. Um, here's the interesting part that no one saw that happened in the backstage. Kind of like, I wish it had like a backstage camera kind of thing, you know?
0: <laughs> but they didn't. Me too. Like, pretty well, much, first I, of all, know, all
2: People all, second. It. Go ahead.
0: I second that. I really wish they had had a backstage camera. That was all.
2: Yeah, I think it would have been awesome. But pretty much, like, people. You know, we're all hanging out. Everyone's doing their thing. I, I, in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to talk to AJ, say anything, unless he's, like, he talks, tries to say something to me. But I want him to focus on his, you know, match. I don't want to be that dude that isn't, like, talking shit or mad-dogging you before you compete, you know, because I understand it's his competition time and whatever. I'll let him focus, you know. I, I don't want I, I to be that guy, you know what I mean? So I'm walking by. Uh, I think PJ and them are warming up. I'm walking to go get, or to go to the bathroom. And I walk into this hallway and it happens to be AJ and some of the guys he's with. Um, I've seen some of the other Gracie Barrow guys that were there. And um, he just, he just like, he's like, what are you doing here? What the fuck are you doing here? Like, out of nowhere. And I'm just like, oh my, is this really happening? Is this guy really going to try to make a scene right now? Because I already anticipated it. And uh, he pretty much tried to get in my face. So I, I I got back in the face and we both like really like were, you know, kind of pushing each other a little bit and um, talking smack and and all those security and refs and everybody gets in the way like, don't do it, don't do it keep it professional and I'm like, I'm just walking by, dude, this guy's in my face and like, I'm going to let someone just punk me and it kind of got me heated, I'm not going to lie, because I was not in the mood I was not in that mode I guess, I was just kind of just being a coach for PJ, making sure he's ready you know, just kind of you know, just vibing out with people, networking a little bit but I wasn't really focused and AJ, and I didn't want him to be focused on me because he had another match, but he, he tried to pump me, tried to get in my face. He's like, what are you doing here? I thought your arm hurts, but, you know, you, how was the seminar? How was the seminar? You know, and all his weird stuff, and, and I was like, and he's like, <laughs> I feel bad for all your kids, and just, like, saying all these low blows, so it, it got to a point that I got in his face, too, and I started talking to him, talk, too, and I was just, I'm not impressed by your gimmick, and pretty much just told him how I felt, and they broke it up, and that was it. I just walked away, and I was, like, a little bit, and backstage, like, I talked to Eddie, and I was like, Eddie's like, dude, let it go. Just, you know, we'll, we'll get to it later, you know. And and I, I had a feeling he was going to try to call me out, obviously. So when he starts calling me out, I'm on stage already. And he can't see me, but I'm, like, standing up waiting for him to call me out. He's like, where's he at? Where's he at? He just couldn't see me probably because of the light. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I just I just walked into the crowd, and I just, you know, get on stage because I know that's probably probably what he wanted. And that's probably what I wanted, too. And I think it's a good way to promote a match. But right when I was walking up, Jonathan Castan comes up because obviously he called him out before, and he wants a match too, and he he's good enough and he deserves a match, you know, if he wants it. And uh, he tried to go up there, and AJ like kind of shoved him off and called him like mini Mouse or whatever, or Mighty Mouse or whatever he was saying. He's like get out of here, Mighty Mouse, and like just kind of pushed him off. And I know Jonathan like wanted to talk more shit, but he kind of kept him more respectful at that point because like I didn't want to be that dude. He kind of stepped off a little bit, and then that's when AJ started talking and, you know, pretty much made the speech, and I made the speech, and the only reason Nicky Ryan's in it, because I know Nicky Ryan wants the rematch, and and I know um, Gilbert Gilbert Burns mentioned him, so at the end, I just said what I said, and I I told him, pick one, you know, you got three options, and I think those will all be pretty good money matches for him, and for the guys that are competing, I think we'll all be satisfied to see one of us smash him, you know, so, Either way, he has a handful with, you know, either one of us. I know that for sure. But, obviously, I, I think I deserve the match. I think uh you want to see me go up against them, it's a 10th planet thing. I started with him talking smack about, you know, the 10th planet, planet lineage, my master, Eddie Bravo, you know, uh, Joe Rogan, John Jock, and When I see people disrespect them, it, it kind of bothers me, you know, because, you know, these guys, you should have some respect, you know, for people to pioneer the game, people that help you get to, you know, grow and, you know, just people like that. You got to appreciate those people because they help you make money. They help you push the culture. And how can you, you know, hate on someone that helps you live your life? It's just kind of annoying.
1: I just laugh because, okay, I guess this is a multi-tiered reason why it's humorous to me. Number one, <laughs> loses a match.
0: Loses. Immediately. <laughs> no goes no submissions other. ever, by the way, in this entire
1: pasture. Sorry, go ahead, Rev. So... After what? that, calls out, has essentially three people uh, basically just waiting their turns. And then the weirdest part is, is like when he does the diss at Calistine, when he says Mighty Mouse, I'm like, there are way worse insults. But sharing a right. nickname with a guy who happens think. to be one of the best athletes in MMA, I mean, I'll take right.
2: that. That's all they. I, I honestly thought the same thing. I was like, okay. Yeah, that's like, kind of stupid. And, but then- and if you notice, something that was retarded, like something that really was like stand out for me was well, after Gilbert Burns won, Gilbert was doing a bunch of like push ups and, and whatnot. And then out of nowhere, <laughs> AJ looks at him and AJ starts doing burpees and quick steps. And I'm like, what a try hard. <laughs> like, Gilbert Burns literally just did that. And now you are look at him and desperately try to you know i'll show him and do the same thing it's like wow like you're that desperate to you know to kind of make some kind of statement and he tried to grab a beer in the middle of the batch and take a sip out of it i don't know if you guys noticed that he so, like, went out of balance and grabbed a yeah, beer and took a sip out of it
1: he did that because and bless his heart kenny florian trying to explain all of the actions and, and everything on the microphone. He was saying he was doing it because his mouth was busted open and he was using the alcohol for it. Um, however, that dude who had the beer took another swig out of it mm. and I've never thrown up more in my mouth. Oh, Just, I, I oh, looked at God. it and I said, nah, I'm good. You know, at that <laughs> point, AJ, this is yours. Even if you don't want it, it belongs to you now. So, I think what rude. we're all kind of getting around is... I didn't uh, notice that,
2: but that's
1: so funny. That oh. Detail. I, I, you'd, I don't know that you want to see it, just because you might have my same reaction of, <laughs> oh, no, I was better off without seeing that. And especially, the weird part I think we're all circling around is, I think AJ arm got to this point where he's the Daniel Day-Lewis of heel, but not just any heels, but like acting like a bad guy from an 80s movie and the fact that he's yeah. doing it behind the stage where you're going the cameras aren't on dude does this really matter yeah. i mean i get if it's for a show and it's there um but i mean like we again it, it, it's masterwork that we're talking about here so anyway that was kind of what we he's saw. really
2: committed i'll tell you that much he's definitely and, committed to it he's going all in
1: He is, and to his credit, I mean, you know, Nikki Ryan doesn't have to say shit because Flo Grappling is going to make the argument for him that he should get the match. Johnny Calistein going to do his Rodney Dangerfield routine of I don't get no respect. You're going (laughs) to do your thing. I mean, I I think all of you would have great matches with him, Uh, and I think that's about as much as I want to say. I do want to change the subject over to this because I want to stay on Kasai, but I want to ask you about PJ's match. Uh, specifically, his second match, because it seemed like there was a little bit of controversy in what happened there. Now, obviously, I I kind of understand where your perspective might be, but can you tell us your interpretation of, I guess, what happened and how he ended up losing that match?
2: You know, Henato. You know, um, obviously, the guy who won the whole event is a is a beast, and I have super, like a lot of respect for him. Absolutely, I love, power, I love the way he competes and. You know, he's honestly a really cool guy. I'm cool with him and his girl, Raquel. You know, like, they're all chill, you know. Like, I have a, I have a, a, a cool relationship with them, and, and you know, I'm not – it's nothing to do with him, you know what I mean? And I want everybody to, to know that. I want to be clear on that. I have, you know, not, nothing against him, and, you know, he does what he does, and he's really good at it, and he's one of the best out there. And, um, obviously, he had a great performance, and it's not an easy guy to go up against. But PJ, in my opinion, is one of – you know, one of those guys that people throw them. Now they're starting to see that PJ is like the real deal. You know, what I mean? he's one of those guys that he's gonna hit levels that you know not a lot of people could hit in Jiu-Jitsu just because of his, uh, division plus,
0: oh, yeah. plus, uh, <laughs> his division one
2: wrestling plus his division one wrestling and you know, obviously being from Ten Planet is like the opposite of wrestling. So I think those two combinations together are gonna just kind of create a monster, and that's what PJ is—a monster right now. And I knew yeah. in my head, PJ was gonna be. A hard guy to beat, you know, and um especially when you when you do points because you guys wrestle a lot, and you know we know i you know, I'm not a wrestler, but I have a lot of wrestling teammates that love wrestling and and pJ's the best, you know he's one of the top dudes there for sure, and when they were wrestling, they're going at it for a while, you know they have some good attacks. Um, well, the tag that Renato Renato got um points from was kind of weird because they went out of bounds as well. He set the shot up or whatever went out of bounds. If you look at that, when they went out of the bounce, where, where they ended up at the end, they ended up with PJ with several underhooks behind him, behind him. You know what I mean? Not not like he, even though Renato uh, engaged the takedown, he didn't end up in any solid position, but he still gave him the point, uh, the one point. And then when PJ pretty much did the same thing twice to him, they they didn't give him anything. They didn't give him no points. It doesn't make sense, in my opinion. Like, I, I got to watch the footage over and over to really understand what they were thinking. Because it was the same thing. But Henato got the point. You know, and P.J. didn't. And and that, that that's annoying when you're competing at that level. Because that, that makes you do desperate things. That makes you go for crazy stuff. Because you see the time running out. This guy's walking backwards. And then P.J. gets, both of them get a, a stalling call. How, how, if you're stepping forward and you're pushing, trying to get uh, the, the game going and trying to Engage. You shouldn't get, you know, you shouldn't get taken away a uh, advantage point or whatever, uh, you know, a penalty point because that's stupid. You know, like you're attacking. Like PJ was trying to move forward. He was trying to go. Henato was playing the game. He was he was he was playing the line. You know, because if you, it's hard to shoot on someone when they're out of bounds. You know what I mean? These are some huge ass mats right here. You got to think about. They're big mats. They're not little yeah. mats. So if you if you're playing the outside the whole time. You're not gonna. You're not trying to engage. You're not trying to really play the game. You're trying to make sure no one can shoot on you. If they shoot on you, you step out of balance and they reset you. You know what I mean? And he did an awesome yeah. job playing that game, but it was very. Uh, I I don't even want to say it, but it was very Brazilian. You know what I mean? At that point, mm-hmm. like not modern, not modern day Brazilians that feel like that, but like you know the old school mentality of Brazilians they like, kind of like do little things to edge it out and win. That's what I thought that was. You know what I mean? And and it disappointed me because I think that would have been a great win for PJ, and I, I would have liked to see at least two more minutes to see who could really win that battle. But instead, they gave, uh, you know, they got a one, one point advantage in that uh that beat PJ, and that was annoying because I knew that that affected PJ's mentality the whole the whole tournament after that. You know, even if PJ would have got a submission on, on Rua, which if you don't know, PJ already submitted Rua twice before in two previous submission only tournaments. He, he submitted him in regulation time. So, you know, if P.J. would have even submitted Rua, he still wouldn't be able to advance to the, to the uh, final round. You know what I mean? He yeah. still wouldn't be able to compete for first and second. So, in his head, he was disappointed. He was disappointed. He went in there all in, and, you know, he was burnt. He was mentally and physically burnt. And and to me, I, I was upset, you know. It, it was the, the – I don't blame Kasai. I don't blame anybody. But I do blame that ref, whoever that ref was. I don't even know his name. He's the guy, he's in charge of the IBJJ. He, he's like the IBJJ ref that does all the rules and stuff. I don't really dig that guy, and I don't really care for him too much. But I just, he just, favela till he dies kind of style, you know? Mm. And that's what I saw from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was confusing. Uh, we ended up getting the end of it uh, at the tournament we were hosting. And I looked at it with some of the guys, and I just said, yeah, that doesn't seem right. Um, and again, this isn't to disrespect uh, Canuto. I I ended up training with Canuto yeah. by accident about two weeks but, beforehand. And he's like, hey, do you mind going Nogi? And I was like, I do no service to you. I'm, I'm not helping you get ready for Kasai. I don't know what you're going to do with me. And he literally, I was like, the amount of pressure that man had, it was so intense. It is so... It is fun to watch just when it's not happening to you. So that was yeah. something that uh, I saw. But, I mean, here's the nice part. PJ, you mentioned he's very young, and he, he's only just really starting to blow up in most people's brains, whereas right. many of us, I think, maybe the benefit of having the West Coast exposure is we're very familiar. I mean, a great wrestling pedigree really really exciting matches and the fact that he is so young means we'll be seeing him for some time uh do his thing oh, so yeah. I, i'm not worried on that respect kev i have to let you come in because you've been chomping at the bit about quintet now yes this is something that is near and dear to both kevin and i because it combines the survivor series element but for jujitsu. kev i'm gonna let you go from here
0: okay Quintet 2, which I am publicly on the record as the most exciting jujitsu event of 2018. The team elephant was fantastic, and as soon as I saw 10th Planet was bringing their all-stars, I was like, fuck yes. You, specifically, sir, defeated a giant named Hizam Rita, who was on one hell of a tear. And momentum is as important in jiu-jitsu as it is in anything else. Here's what I need you to yep. talk us through. Because everyone saw it. Gio walked in. And here's why we wanted to talk to Gio for 300. And here's why, people, we've said this every time we've seen you fight. Gio, you fight to finish. That is what you look to be doing. You're never afraid to put yourself in some weird positions. But this time, you walked into a match against someone. Sig significantly larger and heavier. And when your hand was raised, it was just fantastic in terms of jiu-jitsu nerds everywhere. What did you see in the matches leading up that you thought, I am going to hit this guy with a guillotine and I will cut off his head before he has the chance to get out of it? Talk us through the match. To me, it's 2018's best jujitsu jitsu moment. So if you don't mind just telling us where it came from.
2: Yeah, like, um, Quintet, you know, I have to say, not only was, you know, watching it afterwards on, you know, Fight Pass was, was definitely one of the best tournaments I've ever seen just watching it, you know. But being a part of it was also super amazing. Like, they're, you know, the way they take care of their fighters, their production, their their fans, everything about it was on point. Like, Japanese, they know what they're doing when it comes down to tournaments and martial arts. They love it. They're passionate about it. And you can tell just by the way they throw their tournaments. And obviously, Sakuraba is, you know, he, he's he's so cool and so chill and just like a great ambassador for these kind of tournaments and sports and stuff like that. So I was just honored and happy to be out there with my team. I've never done a tournament like this. It's very new. Not a lot of guys, you know, done tournaments like this. Obviously, our first match, I mean, there's four strong teams. We knew the two strongest teams coming in there. In my opinion, we're going to be uh, – Team Vagabond, which was, um, you know, that super team when they had guys from all over the world, uh, itchy scene. And um, and then I, I knew that obviously our team was the, the other team in, in the tournament. But then we had Saku, and I wasn't really sure. You know, when I saw his team, I wasn't really sure all of them, but I did see a giant dude there, and I was like, <laughs> this guy's huge, but I, I'm not sure if he's that good yet. You know what I mean? So they go out first, they compete first, and and they're going up against the uh, uh tiger team, the guy's from Thailand and I know uh uh Stuart cooper is is um you know he he knows the game he he he's been around some of the best YouTube guys trained with the best he's a solid black belt Competed out there against some of the best guys, and I knew he he was going to pick the right team to have a good team to go out there and represent them and they had a good squad, but you know once they went up against um, you know in my opinion i just said i didn't know his name at the time I was like the giant guy. <laughs> Once he they went up against him, he he pretty much crushed their team and took their team out. You know what I mean? And watching that and watching him warm up, you know, Eddie went up to me. He's like, "We gotta we gotta worry about that guy. We gotta think about him when we if we go up against them. You know, that guy is gonna be the one we gotta think about." You know, and, and I thought about him and I definitely kept him in my mind, but I couldn't really think about him too much because I had, uh, you know, I had a, a match and we had a team we got to beat the Vagabond team. Um, uh, they had a all his squad, you know, they had a lot of uh, you know, good people in that team they had Joao's assist which is, you know, ADCC champion you know, heavy dude, big dude smart dude, very adaptable dude that could play top or bottom and to me he was the most prestigious guy in the whole tournament when it comes down to pedigree and just, uh, you know, just taking down big names he was the he was the man, you know, he was the guy that even before he we went Eddie and Richie and all of us were already talking about him like, this is going to be the hardest guy to to beat you know he's tough so the way he ended up working out he ended up uh pj we sent pj out first because we know pj could go out there and break the ice and pj's like always going to perform no matter what he's so consistent and we knew that pj was going to be out there to to set the pace and he had a tough match against uh you know one of the tough dudes uh we didn't really know too much about this guy at the point but he was very resilient you know um P.J. had him in crazy arm bars and camora mm-hmm. grips, and the guy was not tapping. And I, I've been in P.J.'s Camaros and, and arm bars, and I tapped. because you know, that shit will break if you don't tap. So yeah. the, the fact that that guy survived that, I was like, this guy's tough. And, and you know, P.J. went all in and, and couldn't finish him. Even though P.J., in my opinion, dominated that match, looked, looked super good, you know, in that match, he just couldn't finish him. And, and it kind of threw me off because I expected P.J. to... To win that match and then go up against joao and possibly tie with joao because i knew pj would be hard to submit but uh ended up getting eliminated and and ended up being richie that we picked for our second representative and richie went out there and you know put on a rubber guard clinic on joao yeah couldn't finish him which i was surprised because he richie should have you know has deep arm locks and carney from rubber guard and eddie bravo couldn't be happier to really have someone showcase what the rubber guard system is about, especially in Japan and, you know, international and like that, because I don't think no one has seen a high-level rubber guard out there like this before. And, and Richie really, you know, just showed that it can work at the highest, you know, with the highest competitors. It doesn't get any better than Joao, you know I mean? And for him to just get shut down and get put in danger so much that, to the point that he had no clue what was going on, what was hitting him over and over, even though he survived, He's a beast for surviving that, you know what I mean? Know, because I know it wasn't fun. I know that must have hurt. I know it was painful, and I know it was tough to deal with, trying to, you know, get out of Richie's entanglement with his legs over his shoulder, chokes. All these things Richie were throwing, like, Richie was throwing fire, but just couldn't finish, you know, and I give credit to Joao for, for surviving. And I know uh, Joao recently hit up Richie for a rematch, and uh, I'm looking forward to that match again because, uh, you know, Richie Richie's hard to deal with, you know, if, that the style Joao has, he goes into people's guards and you can't go into Richie's guard. You know what I mean? So Richie had that crazy match against him. They went all the way, I think, 10 minutes or 8 minutes, whatever it was. And they both were dead. They both were tired afterwards because Richie was trying to finish, you know. And, and I know Joao wasn't was trying to tap. So they both. And, you know, Joel passed his guard a little bit. So, you know, they both had some a war. So the next match is, is me. I'm the third guy. And they picked their team captain which was Ichi. And and I never really seen much of him. I just knew he was an Olympic medalist giant beast as well. When he came out, everyone from Japan was like, ah like he was the man. He was representing Japan that day. He was the guy that people over there came to watch and and I you know, in my head I was like in my head I'm just I always think like this about it. I'm, like, I'm gonna tap this fool out. You know, and that's why he said they like, tap him <laughs> out, you know. I'll let you because I roll with big guys all the time, and I never really got to showcase it. You know, I never really got to showcase at a high level that I can roll with big dudes, and I always have in the gym. Anytime big guys come in, they know I'm going to roll with them hard. I got a lot of big boys that I train with. One of my best students is Kyle Chambers. He's huge, you know. Yeah. But I, I, Kyle Bohm, all these dudes that I roll with are, are big guys that move well, too. And I never had a problem with big dudes. But, you know, I, once I went up, whatever i handshake them and the first thing i do at pull guard and i went into uh inverted i went inverted and caught a kimura right off the bat from my butter butterfly half guard i got a kimura and it was the only time in my life that i grabbed the kimura and i felt like it was a waste of time like i felt like mm. usually i could take the back usually i could pull it out a little bit and get a better position i could not move this brick house it was like paula versus uh, you know uh, Jones, like he just couldn't move him. It just couldn't move him, and I, I couldn't move him. And and, and I was it, it, at that point, my 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 mentality changed. I was like, I'm just not gonna let this fool tap me out. It's gonna be tough. And and then he just started putting pressure and my half guard, hard pressure, and just really, you know, smashing. Trying to, he got bad when I put him in that Kamora. Once I let go, he just he, you could tell every all his rage. He knew he had three minutes to go, and he started going hard. Everything he had. You know, and, and, and it was hard to deal with. You know, I never felt anyone that big, that strong, and and, and technical. And he was moving good, you know. And, and I was like, shit, man, I, I'm in this. And I, I'm in this for real. Like, Here's my time to prove to everyone that I'm Houdini, you know. I, I And class always started when, like, Today I'm gonna to be Houdini, and I become Houdini. My my mentality becomes Houdini, and I put myself in bad positions with everybody, and no one could tap me out. You know, that's I play that game every two days at the gym. I'm like, all right, today's Houdini for me, and I'm just playing Houdini with everybody, and I'll let people get me in the worst positions, and I just Houdini out, and that's what I felt like. I told myself, all right, turn it on to Houdini mode, Geo Houdini mode, and, and I was just in my head. I was like, no matter where he gets me, I'm gonna find a way out, and then he ended up getting a kimura, you know, uh, a nice kimura. And I knew it was deep, and I was like, fuck, I messed up, you know. And a lot of times when people get me in Kamora I have a good armbar counter there, but I just couldn't get my leg around his shoulders. He had big-ass shoulders, and I couldn't get around him. And it it threw me off a little bit. And once he got that arm behind my back, everybody knows that if you have a and you pull that. Like, my whole thing was that if I keep my arm in front of my body, he'll never be able to finish me, and I'm I'm okay right here. But once he got the arm behind my back, that's when it became dangerous. And at that point, I had to make a sacrifice that a lot of people don't know. The sacrifice you do when someone puts the arm behind your back is you give him the straight arm bar, and then you tuck your elbow back in. So when he had that arm behind my back, I gave him the, the arm bar. Because if he would have stepped over my head, I probably would have tapped, honestly. Yeah. You know, so I gave him the straight arm bar. He went for a straight arm bar, but he didn't catch it in time. But he caught it just enough to get a little pop on my elbow, a nice pop that I still feel today, you know what I mean, <laughs> which is the pop that got me... From going to the match against uh, AJ Agassiz and Kitai. So, once my arm popped, I brought my elbow in, and I seen that and he looked at me, and I, I just looked at him like I'm am fine. And that <laughs> threw his mind off, you know that that pissed him off. And he was trying to go north south, trying to go for Kimura, and just he never got that deep again. Ty ran out, and my job was done for that round, you know. he's out, and, and it felt it felt like I got my job done, but I felt disappointed because. I was like, man, if, if we lose as a team right now, that's going to be my performance, that I survived a, a crazy arm lock. Even though people loved it and were impressed by it, I didn't want that to be my my uh, highlight moment of the tournament. You know what I mean? Everybody loves yeah. highlights, and I didn't want that to be my highlight. And people were just going to say, oh, Jill did good. He survived. Hell no. I didn't want that. So when the next match happens, you know, everyone saw Amir ended up getting knee-barred. You know, it hurt me. You know, when he got knee-barred, it hurt all of us. Uh, I should have done more and whatnot. We all thought to ourselves, what could have we done more? And then, you know, Big Red, you know, Big Red ended up uh, saving the day for us. You know, it, like, he went out there and honestly took out two guys and, and saved the day. You know, it, it was really him to save that batch at that point. And uh, Big Red came through strong. Adam, Adam from ten uh, and San, San Mattel came, came hard that day and. And, you know, save the team, honestly. It wasn't for him. And we, we put him at the end for a reason, because we knew he had that squeeze. We knew he had that game. And uh, once he got around some of those guys, they couldn't deal with his squeeze, his power. He used a lot of energy though that round, for sure. You know, we knew he was a little bit tired afterwards, but we made it We made it through. So that's how we eliminated uh, Team Vagabond.
1: Now, I want to make but it clear at this point, though, because I'm watching this at home at God knows what hours, but... As it's happening, I'm looking at y'all going, oh, you have to do this again. And I'm seeing how taxing that has to be for each one of the members. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, they got a regroup and they're going to come out. Of course, we all know the result is a great regroup. But what was said backstage that was able to rally you guys? Because there was a lot, I'm sure, that you guys felt you had to climb up a, a big mountain again.
2: Yeah, like we... You know, so we went to the backstage and we were happy, but we we're like, all right, we got another, we got we got to win this shit. You know, we got one match away or one one team away, and we could become the quintet two champions, and that that would, that was big for us. You know, we really wanted that, and and Eddie really wanted us to to really win that too. You know, he was obviously really hyped for us, fired up, and you know Eddie's really good at just getting our minds right. Eddie's really he taught he knows us all individually, so you know he went up to me, he's like, how's your arm? I was like, shit hurts. You know, and he's just like, all right, um, don't think about it right now. Let's just go in there. Let's, let's do what you do. You know, you, it's your time. You know, you're your geo. You know, you're Like, I want to see you do what you do. Like, I consider you the top dude. I want to see you do what you do. You don't know, don't, don't, um, don't even think about your arm. Don't even complain. Just go out there and do what you do. You know, and pretty much, uh, you know, not those exact words, but that's what Ed, I got from the speech that Eddie gave me. It was like, like, whatever your arm hurts, forget about it. You're Gio. I consider you the top dude. You got to go in there and prove it to everybody while you're that dude. You know, and just kind of looked at me and gave me that look, and it was done. The doctors came in, and uh, they're like, the itchy was complaining. He told them that that he popped my arm, broke my arm, because he heard it pop, you know? So the doctors came, they checked my arm, and my arm was swollen. It was tight, but I was like, I just started moving and like punching in there. I was like, my arms are right, dude. Like, (laughs) they were kind of weird. They were kind of like trying to tell me that I might not be able to go, and I was like, no, Mar, is good. And then and then they look at Amir because they went to go take Amir's leg, and Amir ah. just starts like doing his wrestling stance, moving around like a wrestler. But he he was weak on that leg. He was yeah. really weak on that. Leg. Like I can fake it, and you can tell like whatever. But I they were just concerned about him. And then you know Eddie just told him like, are you are you gonna quit or are you gonna go? And he's like, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna do it. You know, I'm I'm not quitting. I'm going to be in it. I was severely,
1: severely worried because I'm looking over at what? You've got Luis there, and I go, all right, Luis, you're in for the big guy spot. Go.
2: Yeah. They wouldn't allow him to go in, though. They wouldn't do that. You can only replace them if they don't make weight in the first – before they do the first team. You can't replace them after, you know? So the team that you
1: had was just it. It would have been in four people?
2: Right. Wow. Ooh. so, you know, so it came down to just, you know, just heart, you know, just who cares, like, think about it afterwards kind of shit, you know, and uh, Richie was ready to go out there, and uh, PJ was ready. We're all kind of stressing out, but whatever, we're ready to go out there. We're just like, just like every other tournament, you know, there's pressure, there's little injuries here and there, but you got to go in there and get the job done. So we go in there, first match, PJ goes up against, you know, uh, uh, I forget who it was, Sakimura, or no, uh, I can't think of the name right now of the guy, but, Sick MMA fighter, tough dude, tough as nails, you know, tough as they come. You know, one of those Japanese MMA fighters, they it's not going to tap to anything kind of status. And they had a battle, but PJ put another clinic. So PJ looked awesome. Just couldn't finish, but if it was points, PJ would have had like 100 points probably, you know? Suke
0: Nakamura. Him.
2: Nakamura, yeah, Suke Nakamura. He, he's an he's a MMA stud, you know, sick dude, judo. Uh, jiu-jitsu dude and uh, just couldn't do shit against PJ PJ just outclassed and PJ just did American wrestling mixed with a template jiu-jitsu and just gave him a clinic you know showed everybody that he was on a different level but you know he's telling me so second match is obviously a match that I think everybody was excited to watch Yeah, uh, you know the legend Sakuraba you know Sakuraba even though he's older he hasn't been tapped out in such a long time you know even when he did the last uh, quintet he went against uh, Daniel uh Stroud or Gorilla, was that guy? Is Gorilla from um the UK? I can't think of his name right now. He had a big famous match against AJ Agazan, but Dan- Daniel Daniel Strouds, I think. But mm-hmm. that, you know, they, yeah, he went up. He, he went up against um Sakuraba in the last quintet and couldn't do much against him. You know, so we're like, man, is gonna be, you know, still dangerous and still hard to deal with. So we just told Richie like he can't go out there and and take him lightly. And, and obviously, Richie didn't. And Richie went out there and. And Sakuraba, think about it, people don't really understand it. this Saku's tournament. He has so much pride and in, in, in within winning with his team and in his uh, in his uh, event at his, you know, hometown pretty much Tokyo, you know, where he's from. And and you know, there, he's cutting hard, you know, trying to give Richie some battles, you know, Richie's Richie and uh, Saku almost ends up kind of passing Richie's guard, mm-hmm. he goes into judo side control, but Richie kind of let him get to judo side control because we do that truck counter you know richie kicked that leg over and then almost twisted
1: him almost had him in a twister i dude the face was going nuts just online from when the twister was happening because i go is he gonna is he gonna is he is he and he wanted the twister he did want the twister and i go nah i think he might get out of this but uh, to to go on your note here i just want to make it very clear uh sakuraba this is his the whole thing and he put himself second on the list I made very clear in telling my friends, I was like, I'm going fifth because if it comes (laughs) down to me, it's already over. So I just figure, you know, Sakuraba gets all the credit in the world because I would have just like buried myself all the way back. But he's second position and second position gives him at this point your brother, which is not an easy card to pull.
2: No, because Richie, you know, we consider him in that 10-pound lineup like probably the most dangerous guy with submissions, you know. So we knew that he was a finisher. Richie could get the finish. And, you know, they had a good battle, you know, a war, actually. You know, Richie Richie had a really – he had to work out of some bad positions. So I to throw a calf slicer. You know, Richie's seen a calf slicer before so he could defend him. But Richie told me, like, man, that was a strong calf slicer. I was surprised. It was pretty, really strong. And I think Saku kind of burned himself on that. Uh, try to really pull that calf icer out. And uh, was he kind of went for it. Mary and Richie had to really fight for it. And once Richie got his leg loose, he, he went into his bread and butter and just flipped that Darson in there. And we all know once Richie gets that uh, arm through there, grabs the neck and arm, it's, it's going to be hard to get out. So at that point, either Saku taps or he goes to sleep in his own tournament. And I think uh, he just decided to tap, you know what I mean? And which was the smartest thing to do because <laughs> it would have been kind of weird to see him go to sleep so i'm yeah. happy tap richie got that win legendary win you know soccer legend felt good me and richie been watching him since we started obviously everybody has and it was an honor more than anything it was an honor you know we have nothing but respect for him and and it was it was cool you know it was cool like kind of like p- passing down the torch to the new school jujitsu in a way mm. that's what i felt so next next thing uh, here we go you know we see the giant again coming in the you know, giant we, uh, we didn't back. know much about we didn't know much about him we just knew that he was tearing it up that good toehold good uh good good passing standing passing and you know richie richie his world is closed guard and he you know he doesn't play a lot of open guard i play more open guard we both just decided to go a different route obviously when guys like joel and guys like that says going to richie's guard is hell for them but you know uh Haseen ha, had a good game plan. He, he he knew that Richie was tired. So right off the bat, he pushed the pace and ended up passing Richie's guard from standing. And Richie got, you know, he made a mistake. He tried to push him away. He got frustrated, tried to push away. And uh, he was just too strong. Huge, strong, technical guy that ended up capitalizing on Richie's mistake and took the arm, you know, arm barred Richie. And I know Richie wasn't happy. And I know Richie wasn't going to tap unless his arm hurt. So I knew he was. it was deep, armbar. And I knew uh, afterwards, Richie, his arm was a little, you know, cranked out as well. You know, he had a really tight arm. And I I knew uh, he was disappointed. But, you know, Richie got his job done. Richie did what he had to do. He had to eliminate one of the guys. And, you know, the second guy, if you would eliminate him, that would have been even better. But, you know, obviously he had to go up against a monster, someone that was ready for him. And someone that hit the right move at the right time. And, um, you know, just ended up capitalizing on Richie's uh, fatigue as well. You know, Richie had two long matches. People got to remember that he had two long matches against Joao, and then Joao was the best guy in the tournament because he had a match against Saku, uh, which Saku was one of the toughest dude in the tournament for sure. And then he had to go against Hassan, you know, which was also you know considered the the, the kind of like the the guy that we didn't know much about, but he was tearing it up more than anybody. So it was a it was a, a big win for him as well because Ritchie's you know not easy to tap. So. I had, you know, part of me was like little brother bow, too. Like, 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 it pissed me off, kind of, you know, like, <laughs> the past, it, 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 I didn't like it, you know, like, it hurt me. Not you know a great I mean? person
0: to piss off for you, Jujutsakas out there, uh, Gio. You know, I'm just saying because, okay, yeah. as you're getting pissed, do you see something in your brother's match that's like his neck is exposed?
2: I just it wasn't his back. I, I just knew my open guard, my spiral, like the reverse delahiva. I knew I could get it underneath him because the way he was passing, he was passing really high, standing up. and he's really tall, and I could get really little. I could go underneath even little guys. So in my head, I was like, I'm a, "It's gonna be easy for me to go around his back." You know what I mean? Fascinating. But, but what what is he in me? You know, I was trying to think about his back. So I got this, I like going reverse delahiva. I go spiral. I go inverted spiral. And I usually go around the back, and if I can't take the back, I'll go into, like, a back X guard, you know? So I had, like, the X guard from the back, and he tried to go for a toe hold, but no one ever gave me a toe hold there. He tried to go for a toe hold, and I just kind of pushed him off, and I kept the X guard leg over my shoulder, and I, I tried to do a technical stance to come up to that uh, X guard sweep that everyone does, you know, come up with a single leg. And as they tried to come up, he really sprawled his leg out. And as he sprawled his leg out, he dropped below my chest and, and that was what I was looking for because I love guillotines. And I knew if I grabbed his neck and his arm or had an arm, I knew it was going to be good night because that's my bread and butter. I really been working on it a lot this, this year, you know. And i just been catching necks and catching arms. And especially when you got a long, long neck like that. And like I said, I have long training partners, big training partners like Kyle Chambers and guys like that. And anytime I get those guys, it's really because I grab their neck, you know. So I, I caught his neck. And, and at that point, I just, he I was so deep and he was he was he was strong but not in the way that it would help him defend that that guillotine. So I tried to roll him over but he sprawled out as well. And as he sprawled out I just kinda took advantage of the head and arm guillotine. As I went for the head and arm guillotine he, he kinda defended it a little bit so I switched my grips. Oh before I switched my grips I put in my butterfly and I used the butterfly to elevate him with the head and arm control and I rolled him over and as I rolled on top, I switched my grip into the uh Marcelotine, I let go of the arm, and I just went to a from the mouth. And at that point, it's, it's night night, you know, for for a lot of people. Even though I I choked him out with the same arm that was hurting, you know, I put a lot of stress on my arm. Part of me was like, shit, I wish I would have grabbed them with my other arm because it all. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't tap on my receptors, You know what I mean. <laughs>
0: Part of me wishes I had used the other arm. No, that is not a thought I am familiar with. But I respect that you even had that ability. From an outsider perspective, super exciting moment for grappling because part of the argument is that grappling can work for anyone against anyone. Well, that's difficult to execute on a high level when you're dealing with someone that grapples a lot. Uh, you, you kind of, you just came in and looked like you were like, no, I'm submitting this giant mofo and to bring this conversation my head, i
2: made up that, sure. oh okay <laughs> in my head i was like i'm gonna choke this for a while like i'm gonna win like in my, in my i was in battle mode like, i felt like a breakdancing battle like i'm gonna smoke this dude right now like i'm going prove i just want to prove to her one day i'm gonna smoke this this is gonna be my highlight you know i always tell everybody like every jiu-jitsu guy like and you know even break every artist i guess we all strive for a highlight moment in our lives and, and after you get a highlight moment, you get addicted to it, and you strive for the next one. It's like a drug, you know what I mean? Like, we, we're addicted to the highlight moments. And, I, you know, I had a few of those in my jiu-jitsu careers. I had, you know, Jeff Love or Eddie Kahn. a couple of these guys that I felt really good, really strong with. And I had those moments I could look back and be like, that was a, a good moment, you know, a glory moment, a baby glory. And this was one of those moments that I knew that people were going to appreciate it, not just because of, the technique behind it but obviously the uh david versus goliath thing you know people love seeing that and, and i love doing that i love proving people wrong that all oh, this big guy's gonna crush you i'm like nah not really not <laughs> <happening."> <laughs> you know? i think
1: i think there was something that was weird about this phenomenon which was we acknowledged that he was on a tear because he made a lot of that event exciting and right it's funny because we even had people online who were giving us pushback and being like, ah, Gio was way more exciting. And I was like, I don't know, man. To me, you have to respect the fact that he made a statement for himself that day. And you don't right. want to look that. But part of the thing that makes the crescendo of you getting that guillotine even more amazing is is that it's a story of you rising to a challenge and putting on for your team as well. So, like, everybody wins here. It's just a matter that sometimes I feel like it does show you the real, real aspect of how much people want to have that team setting in a sport that's usually individualized. So I think the fact that you guys had everybody contribute in a significant, major way at this uh, epic tournament made it all the sweeter and I mean, what was the feeling like, though, when it all comes together? Because, you know, you get the opportunity for Amir, who I'm thinking to myself, like, how is his leg even at all functioning? And yet he gets his hero moment after you.
2: Right. And, like, you know, it worked out perfectly. Like, obviously, like, at that point, Amir told me, like, I thought you were going to run through everybody. And in my head, I was going to run through everybody, too. Um, (laughs) Right right off the bat, I... I ended up, you know, getting a guillotine, you know, against uh, Taroko. Tur- uh, what's his name? I can't see his name right now. But the other guy that's, like, a, a really good the, – the guy that was my weight division. Yeah. Uh, in my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to kill this guy. You know, I should have killed him. But I, I, had a, I had him in a guillotine. I ended up mounting him, and I had the same arm guillotine that I did earlier. So it kind of threw me off. Like, my arm was de- done at that point, you know. And then I started feeling a little tired. And I started feeling all these things, and I was like – this guy's not really, I took his back and I really fought hard for it. And then the rest were calling like stalling things. And it was just all these things that tie right now, you know, like fuck, man, I just didn't finish him. But even though I was all over this cat, I didn't finish him. I wish I would have part of me wanted to do it. I wanted to just close it out and just went with the match after that as well. I would have tapped out the other guy probably, I don't know, but that was my, my mentality, but it didn't happen like that. You know, I ended up tying and we ended up pulling a draw, a good match. Um, uh, and it was Amir's sign. In my head, I was like, man, you know, like Amir's hurt. Like, but Amir just had this, like, <laughs> he had like this, like little, like his eyes were shining. You know what I mean? Like he had a little shine in his eye. And I just kind of like, I, once I saw a little shine in the eye, like I don't know, it was just a feeling, like a, like I just knew he was just gonna get the job done. And once he went out there, he just looked like, oh, good. He grabbed that Kamora. I didn't mm-hmm. even think about his legs. He took the back, he even body triangles, and then was making faces because his shit was hurt, <sighs> you know, and he just went for it, and, and it was big for him, because Amir's a beast, you know, Amir's been in the game for a uh, 10 planet system for a while, and he's been representing us for a while, and really been helping a lot of us get better, and he's one of our big guys that moves really good, and, you know, he's high level, and it was good for him to go out there and really show everybody that he could get the job done, and uh, get that big victory for the 10 planet squad, and after that happened, and obviously, it was a big uh, weight off his back, and, you know, Ted finally came to Japan, and we represent it. Now, forever, uh, we're in history. Like, that's going to be in Quintet history, year history, and no one can ever take that away. And I believe that Quintet is only going to grow from here on out. And we're one of the pioneers that, you know, we're part of the first two, or the second one, at least, you know?
1: Well, the first one was a fluke, because Craig Jones, like, it, nah, nah, it's not a real thing. Yeah.
2: But obviously... Well, I well, always we tell everybody, like, they're not even a real team. Colores <laughs> is good, but they weren't even a real team. You know, we're a real team. We're 10 Planet Squad. We're actually a real team. They just picked up Super Team pretty much, which We is, joke. whatever. You're not, it's not the same winning your uh, event with, like, a bunch of randoms. You know, it's better when you win it with your family. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and to his credit, um, I don't want to put him too much on Front Street, but uh, Craig Jones apparently that day, I think, got married or did, put up a photo of himself uh, out that way. And he messaged me, and he's like, dude, I need, I need results. How's this happening? How's, how's Quintet going? And I think it was right about the time that you guys had just started walking back. And I go, 10th Planet Advanced. I'm worried. Right. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I go, yeah, dude, it's, it's an intense fucking show. And in the time I talked to him, he then saw you guys uh, getting your due. And then when uh, Hussein was uh, crushing it, I go, oh, dude, he's new you. And he just starts laughing. He's like, what do you (laughs) mean? I was like, oh, he's just the new hype. Everybody's getting behind. You're old you now. Nobody cares about you anymore. Because you basically proved... Exactly. And he's laughing at me because he's just like, he goes, oh, fuck, dude, I'm so overrated. Fuck me. And I'm like, you know, this is really funny. I like the fact that Craig found a way to find... I think he ended up getting a stream and was watching it. And was just like... You know, I, I stopped giving him results, but he hit me back up and was just like, dude, I'm so hyped for this. This is so much fun. Uh, he yeah, had a great time watching you guys. Yeah, I'd love do. to compete
2: against the Polaris team one day. Hopefully for the Vegas one coming up, you know, in October.
1: So, yeah, I'm hearing all of these things. Okay, maybe that's a good time to transition because there's another thing that's happening. It's not quite Quintet, but you have a team element. Can you tell us a little bit about Subversive? Because it looks like you were the one to get to make the announcement today, right?
2: yeah so like said, sets, sets from a fight to witness during the event and and the event's pretty much a team format but it's a little different it's not like elimination you stay in it's more like everybody pick picks the every team picks like different uh competitors for for a different weight classes there's I think, five weight classes plus um, or four weight classes possibly four or five weight classes plus the girl a uh, girl weight class and uh and pretty much you, whoever has the most wins as a team advances to the next round and competes against another team so it's really more like super fights with right. teammates and then overall team points that's how you win so it's a it's very interesting team format something new but obviously uh, it's good for everybody you know uh, guys like these like said they're paying their competitors to go out there and compete so for us it's Not really about the money, but that's always good bonus on top. uh, The main thing is just to keep showcasing that our team is a strong team and Tempana Squad is the real deal, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, it's amazing, dude. I'm really happy to hear about that. And I know uh, they usually put one of these giant shows on every, uh, I think it's every year. So I think it's cool that we get it over here in Anaheim. I was stoked to hear that, you know, uh, what is the? Do we know what the full team is? Because I know there. It was you, your brother, and PJ. Right,
2: and they're gonna have a trial. We're gonna actually do trials with a couple guys because we have a lot of big guys that want to get in it. So we have a, a a couple trials coming up for that. So after the trials, we'll be able to officially have our team set.
1: Fair enough. I just know that every time I hear y'all have trials, I'm like,
2: we have Liz, we have Liz Carbush as well representing the girls.
1: Oh, that's awesome
2: yeah
1: that's a good team in fact because that was the, my one you when people ask they go you know how is that gonna go are they gonna do the the survivor series elements where somebody stays in the whole time and i was like you know what i think karbush might do okay if they did allow them to stay." <laughs> so i'm not to team, I'm i've heard it's i've heard nothing but thing. stellar things dude you know i wanted to ask this too because you were you got the opportunity at, at quintet to do this behind-the-scenes stuff where you're doing this whole... There was like a birthday cake with Eddie giving it to Sakuraba for his birthday. But to me, it's one of those iconic photo shoots. And though yeah. we got to see the video of it, like it looked like every element of it had to be surreal as a grappling MMA fan of the history of what it is that we see to see Eddie and Sakuraba there. And then even when I see, like, yeah. Sakuraba putting you in an abdominal stretch, I'm like, what is this? This is, like, exactly the kind of thing that I think people think would happen, but it still looked amazing. Can you tell us about that photo Correct.
2: shoot? Yeah, it was just, like, it was just random, like, um, it was Sakuraba's birthday, we're all up there doing the just Quintet photo shoot, and it was Sakuraba's birthday, and he came. he came to the place where we're doing the photo shoot, and, um. They had a birthday cake, or they had a surprise birthday cake for Saku that they made Eddie just present to Sakuraba. You know, so Eddie just presented the cake to Sakuraba. Like, the Quintet team gave the uh, gave the cake to uh, Eddie to give to Saku. And then once Eddie gave the cake to Saku, Saku was like, they just, from there, they just both started doing weird stuff. I don't know. They just started, like, talking about, like, random stuff. They were tr- like, their translator would just kind of translate for each other. And then Sokka was like, he told Eddie, can I show you the Japanese twister? And then he put me in the twister. I didn't even realize. He's like, "Uh, who wants to do it? And I said, I'll do it. And then he just hit me in the back of my head. I was like, okay. So I just, I know know what's going on at that point. But he just, he put me in the twister. And I just, I was going to tap. But I didn't want to tap in front of everybody, you know. He tried to break my neck and my spine. And uh, so we're just having fun. You know, he was just clowning. We're just having fun. And then. Saku just grabbed, uh, we, we blew the candles out for him, or he blew his candles out, and then um, told Eddie, he's like, he, uh, and then um, the, someone's like, you should take pictures of, uh, of you giving him the cake. So he's, like, handing him the cake, and then Saku's like, pretty much, like, like put him, like, slammed the cake in my face, and Eddie's like, no, no. Eddie starts tripping on, and they start playing a little bit. Eddie starts doing poses, and they're just goof. It was all natural, like, they were carrying each other, doing stuff, and then Eddie uh, grabbed the cake, and, and then, put it in Saku's face, and then Saku was just, like, super cool about it, and, like, epic moment of two super cool, fun dudes just letting loose, not taking themselves too serious, even though everyone, you know, knows that Eddie and Saku are MMA, Jiu-Jitsu legends, uh, they don't really take themselves that serious, they were just having fun, and and just showing love to each other, and just kind of appreciating the time and and moment they have with each other, and I think they both really are fans of each other, and you know, it, it was kind of cool seeing that. It just made me laugh so
1: much because those are two of the most expressive photo subjects you can probably find on the circuit. And then when I go, oh, no, they're combining powers, I don't know that I would even be able to take photos of this because it's too good. Like, you're almost laughing from just their personalities. And even though there's a little bit of a language barrier, obviously, it's still to that point where you go, nah, this is funny. This is is something I think you can't really replace.
2: They're speaking universal language of uh, comedy and yeah. body language, jiu jitsu language, you know? So it's kind of cool.
1: I mean, I also appreciated the fact that Sakuraba was the one to give you the medals. So it felt like you guys got your own, like, mini Star Wars end of movie celebration as they're handing out medals. I feel like that. And then they just kind of, like, confetti everywhere. Everybody surrounded. Big photo. And then it's just kind of like. Oh, Sakuraba has to give it to you, too? Jesus, what isn't this man doing? Is he doing catering, too, backstage? (laughs) I even saw him cleaning cleaning afterwards. I'm just (laughs) (laughs) saying. Nah, Saku's uh, Saku's the issue. You know, the nice part about this is you've been so generous with your time. I do want to ask just a couple quick little things before I let you go here, Gio. Um, I guess the first of which is I know that Subversive is coming up, but do you have anything else that you can tell us? Because... I know you, you're probably still feeling a little bit of the elbow and hopefully it's going to heal in time so that we see you crush it over at subversive. But do you have any other things that are coming down the pipeline? I guess, Lord willing, if we get an AJ match at some point too.
2: Yeah. Uh, I already told me they wanted the match with me and AJ. So hopefully everything goes smooth and uh, we set that match up. So I'll be coming up po- possibly in the next Kasai if everything works out. Um like you said, the, the new tournament coming up, the set's so, throwing. I'll be there for sure competing with my squad. And, uh, you know, a week before that, there's a high rollers tournament. And you guys know I'm 420 friendly. And I, I support the – I like the connection with uh, 420 and jiu-jitsu. It just, to me, it just kind of – it makes sense, you know. The whole culture already does it. Like It's like surfers, jiu-jitsu, like that kind of vibe, you know. Hey, that's man. what I'm about. So, yeah, that's going to be a part, part of the tournament. And I think um, – if they, if they uh, smooth everything out and I might have a super match against uh, an uh, uh, MMA fighter not sure UFC or Bellator fighter but it uh, should be pretty cool to see like a submiss- submission only competitor versus a MMA fighter to see how that works out but I'm just going to tell you now I'm probably going to talk about
1: <laughs> Now Gio, I'm very concerned here. Do you know they force all of their people to get high before they roll? I mean are you are you know you i equipped smoke for every that? Time
2: i come, i smoke every day before i train and smoke <laughs> before i compete i i i, I i'm hiring now bro like you know like it, it it's, it's part of my like routine so to me it's like like i it's, it's only gonna make me it's only gonna make me want to roll harder you know like yeah everybody in my school rolls like that it just Come on, Eddie Bravo is my master. You know, like. I mean, honestly, Raph,
0: Finally, I, I have something in common with
1: a high-level competitor. It's been
0: <laughs> my jiu jitsu, my training, nothing else but this.
1: Whew, feels good. Kevin didn't believe me when I told nice. him. I was like, "There's a tournament where you have to get high, and it's not optional. You you have to." <laughs> like, and he's just. Exactly. You know, I'll probably end up taking dabs. I'll probably be like, I don't even want
2: to smoke flowers. Just give me some dabs.
1: <laughs> and I told him this and he was just like yeah and I go yeah dude I go it's insane and then you know obviously it comes out and you see the photos and the videos of it you see Glover it's awesome. and it it's dude awesome. it looked like a blast look I already had a, a really good time it's just funny to me that even when you're telling me the story about quintet when you guys all go backstage and you're just kind of like yeah you know Eddie comes to give a great speech I was like what you mean to say is he brought you your special plant and you're just like you know Power yeah. back up. I told him, I was like, y'all are like Super Mario Brothers. They just need to find the box with the plant real quick. And then y'all will yeah. be around too. So uh, there is that. Geo, <laughs> I know we've been uh, abusing your time worse than Ajay Augustine trying to abuse the thesaurus. But I want to say this. You have always been so kind to us here at Verbal Tap. Uh, anytime I'm all out covering... You're always really welcoming. You're always supporting us, you know, and and supporting our photos and all of our different products that we do and things. Uh, so it only made sense to uh, bring you on on the show. Uh, I, we just wanted to say thank you very much for coming on. I mean, it's really cool that you got to bookmark the story that was uh, Quintet because I, I really do feel like you guys put together a good argument that makes this feel like more fun as we all try and pioneer. Something to be more entertaining for the big spectacle of audiences and I really feel like that's a special event and that you guys really put on for that So, um, you know, just thank you so much for coming on dude Can we take care of you? any of your sponsors any of your team that you want to give a shout out to sir? Of
2: course, uh, you know, always giving love to all 10 planner freaks, you know, 10.weo Um gotta give a shout out to my main sponsors phalanx, you know, i'm all about the phalanx army best gear in the game so go check them out talk to Sara, you know a lot of dope gear right there um, you guys gotta uh, you know always give love to the people that help you out so I gotta give love to them but also appreciate everyone that you know is always supporting me always wants to see my matches and people out there that give us love you know it's not easy to like the 10 planet freaks but I am thankful for everyone that does like us and people that give us love and you guys you know verbal Tap, you guys always showed us love so I really appreciate you guys and it's an honor to be the 300 podcast. I appreciate you guys choosing me as the guy to use the podcast to. But other than that, I'm looking forward to these next coming tournaments. And I hope to see you guys there, come and support. If you guys want to see some stick jiu-jitsu, I'll be out there grinding and keep proving my name and keep showing everyone that I'm, I'm going to be entertaining i will be fun to watch. And I'm going to go out there and go for the kill. That's all I know how to do. I just know how to finish. Thank you guys for uh, for everything. Freaks don't sleep.
0: Verbal Tap fans, the always exciting Gio Martinez. We made it to the end of the show, Raph, and it's worth noting we submitted and won the same amount of matches that AJ did in the time we were doing <laughs> wow. this podcast. We, we hit the same amount of finishes in his Kasai career. So that's that's good for us or bad for him.
1: <laughs> we'll let the audience, we'll let hey, the beat you know, family be the judge. Let's, let's be very clear to people who are listening to this. We've had AJ on this show. Love AJ him. routinely comes up to us and says hello. So nice it's very possible he could listen to this and be giggling as he's inscribing whatever shit he's going to talk to us next. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. We're all grown adults. I'm just saying, AJ – as somebody who's watched far more pro wrestling and understands his mechanisms way better than you do, go for it. Do all of your heart's content. I can't wait to see the poem. Uh, and I would just like to see it publicly deny that we have the same
0: record at Kasai.. No
1: he did he did get one heel hook at a Kasai, but what? just not this one. That was the last Kasai. Oh, was it? I get Kasai and Pilaris. Uh, Now I I got to look. I thought he won a Pilaris match, so I'll I'll go back. Yeah, he got the armbar, I think, against some dude, some Asian guy. And then I think he got a heel hook maybe at the last Kasai. I think he has to win one a year in order to kind of keep some sort of weird ability to renew his shit talking. But definitely, yeah. Loses a match and goes, who else? Who's next?
0: I, he lost I'll, that one, and it was like, I dominated him. Let's see you try dealing with 20 pounds. It's like, that doesn't quite sound like you dominated Like It's like, I perform great sexually. Let's see you make them have an orgasm. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> I didn't, Are
1: you I, telling me to do your girlfriend?
0: I Please. picked up the first half, but the second half led me down a different path.
1: essentially... <laughs> It's always a journey where you watch somebody as they're real-timing it. But when he said, and I dominated him, there's a character, Kevin, on the pro wrestling. Believe you me, his name is Velveteen Dream. Okay? What? So, Velveteen Dream. Like Velveteen very Rabbit? Kind of, so but he, he plays a very larger-than-life personality in terms of being really egotistical and... Uh, being very into fashion and shit like that. And so they do this prepackage showing Velveteen Dream losing to somebody. And the video shows him losing. And the talking head cuts to him and goes, the Dream has no recollection of that. And I said, (laughs) that's the best fucking cutback I've ever seen. So when AJ said, and I dominated him, I laughed at the exact same manner in which I laughed at Velveteen Dream. So... I didn't hate on that. That was funny. Anyway, Kev, you know what's not funny? Uh, I mean, no. Go ahead. I don't want (laughs) to. This is the time when we get really serious with you guys.
0: (laughs) I was like, homelessness? I
1: mean, poverty? There's a lot, I guess, but go (laughs) on. Uh, No, I mean, you know what's not funny is our unbreakable love for our listeners, Kevin, because – without you guys we wouldn't have 300 episodes so we need to get to the shout outs before we do we don't want to make a whole That's long why I should out not thing. have responded
0: yeah <laughs> that was way more positive the work came firing out I was like
1: underfunding <laughs> for public education <laughs> <laughs> well don't don't get it twisted because we've definitely addressed issues on here that have provoked people where a couple of weeks ago we go yo maybe um, could be could be nicer to homeless people No, because Khabib's coming from a different culture, and, well, he's still kind of being a dick to homeless. No, he's giving him a job. All right, whatever you say, guys. It's a weird climate. In a climate where people, if you disagree with them politically, they decide to attack you personally. That's just what happens. But uh, we've always held true to what it is we do on our show, and we do things a little different, and we thank you guys for being a part of it. Now, Kevin, one of the things that we should do is give shout-outs to the people, but Did you think we would make 300 episodes? I must tell you, of the things that
0: have hit 300, I can't confirm or deny that I I thought we would hit this. We had always said we would start with sort of like a timeline marker in order. And the changes certainly simplify how old I feel in Mm. terms of both grappling this podcast and life. But 300 feels like a nice homage to the perseverance we had set out you and I were like we can do a show we can crush 45 to 90 there's gonna be some things back and forth you've expanded it quite a bit into the social media realm and live interview and live event coverage Um, we've had a lot of fun with the snippets in terms of comedic takes on life but in terms of guaranteeing we would have published 300 episodes I don't know that's a lot that's a lot of content
1: to make it very clear to you guys, if you go back and look at all of our episodes, in the very first episode, it's about a month in between a certain amount of episodes. Like, Kevin and I said, yeah, let's let's do episode two, and it's almost three to four weeks later. Fast forward to now, it's like, how many episodes are coming out this goddamn week? Do we do three? two? Did we we
0: break one up? I don't remember. Oh,
1: no. We put out one, and then I did like two interviews with people on video. (laughs) There it is. Well, when we started the
0: podcast, MMA wasn't on ESPN ever, and And they didn't have a UFC (laughs) event every seven seconds. They weren't so desperate for fighters. They were like, what's Greg Hardy's retired felony ass up to? Put him in the cage. It's Tuesday night, and Dana needs a winner. There was none of that. So there's a lot that has changed about the sport, grappling. And, Raph, remember not being able to find jiu-jitsu gyms? Remember, like, having yeah. to use? <laughs> I always give Andrew a lot of credit, right? BJJ Finder was ahead of its time, but sadly Google was like, oh, we'll just put every business ever. And that's where you see, like, now if you look at any city and you Google jiu-jitsu gym, you will find eight.
1: There was a long time where you would find zero. Not only that, but now I could just put up as a Facebook status and go looking for recommendations, you guys. A good gym, clean, four stars at least, should be able to shower there and would appreciate a hot towel. Nine of your friends are like,
0: oh, you got to check out this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, there's, I know exactly which gym to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's really weird in, I guess, six years' time, a lot of people, and I don't know that this is dumb on our part or genius on our part, but a lot of people start their podcast when they're at least a purple belt or beyond we said you know what how about you stick right with us from the very beginning so you have come along for our journey from white belt on and we have had some amazing perspectives from white belt on and i'll tell you this kev the funniest part that i always think back on as we're looking back at 300 episodes is that you sit there and you go you know, I thought I would have sounded dumber. Okay. was it the worst white belt. Good for me. All right. Good job, everybody. So it's nice to see the evolution of this and we still get people who uh, come up to us and, you know, say very nice things about our show and a lot of times they, they, they see me at events and they just go, hey, tell Kevin this and I go, I'm not a goddamn messenger. You message him. <laughs> You tell him or you just tweet at us and I'll show it to him later or he'll see it or whatever. But somebody was asking me the other day. They said, oh, man, you've been doing commentary and play by play now. How's that been? And I go, could not have told you I was going to be doing that. Originally, we were just doing this and uh, talking to each other. And now so many of you guys recognize me to the point where you're bored with me. So it's just kind of like, oh, dope. We board them into submission, Kev. Go us.
0: Hey, that's exactly the strategy. (laughs) It's
1: paying off six years later.
0: Get distracted. See what happens. Boom. (laughs) You're in full guard. Exactly. And that's the cool part of this. It's led to some interesting relationships. It's led to a lot of fun grappling relationships. It's taken us some different places. And Raph, in a lot of... For a lot of reasons, you've become the grappling Tonight Show host. There's no one else that's interviewing people like that. Certainly not on a consistent basis and not in the grappling world. And there's no one doing it that well in the MMA world. Uh, Shout-outs to Karen Bryant, Joe Rogan, and a little bit of the Daniel Cormier. He's working on it. He's actually, I think, getting better than most. But a lot of friends made along the way which brings us to what was going on at Kasai where we've interviewed so many people. We have spoke to Josh Palmer many times who was calling the event and I should be interviewing the event Kasai. There's a good amount of things <laughs> that have changed jujitsu jitsu grappling, MMA-wise. What I hope has not changed is you and I are still cracking jokes about it. So 300, uh, cheers
1: to you, sir. And cheers right back to you. It is fun to still do a show in the biz, one might say kids. Cause in entertainment, you can hate somebody and do a show with them. And the idea is you don't actually converse about anything other than a show. Most of the time when Kevin and I message each other, there's about maybe about now 30 to 40% that show. Another one is what kind of world do we fucking live in politically today? Alright. <laughs> Uh, I'd say about ten percent is you suck at fantasy football. Well, that's coming up. Like that'll
0: peak. Uh, it's, yeah. it's at zero. Well, it's always at two percent. There's never a time sure. it's not in the conversation. It's about to peak at twenty. Uh, my injuries <laughs> take up for no, no, consistent. No, no. Not only 15%. your injuries,
1: like just both of us <laughs> discussing ways to combat being injured and trying to figure out how we can piece ourselves together for a longer period of time than our bodies or science will let us. Both big believers in science. Yeah. The science that's proven
0: nutrition.com. Put it in 10. (laughs) Well, let's give some shout outs. Yeah, Uh, let's do that. Let's, let's head that direction. I'll I'll start. And this goes out to my OG professor, Andrew Correa, who was a big fan of the podcast. Helped us get started, really helped us in those early years in terms of he knew everyone when no one knew anyone, jujitsu wise Some connections, the Jujitsu World Expo still are our sort of launching ground in terms of meeting people and where we we started this, oh, we should be interviewing people on camera game because we're the only ones that do that terribly well. Yeah, I said it. There's a lot of arrogance behind what we do. He was also my first jiu-jitsu instructor. You don't get into this without a love for what we're talking about. And that love comes when you see people exhibit it, show you some stuff. Which, by the way, quick side note back to the shots at Eddie Bravo this weekend when they were like, mm-hmm. you tell your guru and your spiritual diet." It's like, okay. I thought that was funny because obviously AJ <laughs> understands. It's like, shut up. I mean, it, I, look, Eddie Bravo, I've never rolled with him. But I presume he's very good at jiu-jitsu. I've never rolled with Hoyt's Gracie. He looks good at jiu-jitsu. I've never rolled with Oiler, And uh, he looks good at jiu-jitsu. So it was just a funny, like, which, come on. This is the one sport where people earn what they get and earn who they create, which is rare and difficult. So props out to the first half of that for me. Props to Andrew Correa out there, um, you know jiu-jitsu now when we started doing some uh under mesh wilson transitioned out here to denver colorado where i have had a come and go relationship with one of my favorite places in the world jubara jiu-jitsu massive shout outs to them huge supporters of the podcast big fans really enjoyed my last uh retreat from injury got a Wait, which podcast? Are you it was like, uh, verbal tap. They were like, oh, awesome. Love that one. It was like, thank you. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that was you when they were talking about the podcast. So it feels good. People involved in the world, really supportive place and a great place to find some random training partners uh, from all over the place that are just high level. Raph, there's been a lot of people that we've reached out to and helped and vice versa, during the conversations of how to expand, where to go. So massive shout outs to your nemesis, Paul Moran of open mat radio, mm. big supporter of us originally and someone that's, that's always been a fan of what we do in that, uh, in that realm. Cause you know, the open mat series I'm around the mat still wins all of those awards <laughs> that will do it for me. Raph as far as, uh except a final shout-out, obviously, to the family and personal ones that uh, allow you and I to get on this this ride once a week. It's always fun. I,
1: main thought, the truth. Everybody being like, when do you podcast? I don't know. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> when Raph, when Raph <laughs> says we're going to, we can figure out a time. <laughs> the new thing that Kevin and I do is probably just betting on when we're going to be doing the podcast. When it's just not me and him, take that for what you will. So... It is a it's a fun social experiment. This thing, time, Ugh. you, <laughs> you glorious bitch. You. Let's start so with fast. this. Big shout out to LA Jiu Jitsu Club.
0: Jiu like Jitsu.
1: Always great stuff with those guys. Uh, the training there has always been very helpful. Um, I just, I guess, on a larger scale, I know it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's eight a.m. Tuesday, Thursday, eleven thirty. But representative of 300, they've been very supportive of us. We've collaborated together on more than just tournaments or uh, hardcore training, but also some really, really cool interviews that I've gotten to do from the house. So they've been a big part of uh, Verbal Tap, especially in the past two years. Also, big shout out to Valley Martial Arts Center. v Started my main gym. You know, I, I went to other gyms before there where I was kind of testing them out. And as Kevin mentioned earlier in the show, I started at 10th Planet, but I knew I wanted the gi. I didn't know there were cool places like 10th Planet Van Nuys that do both, or 10th Planet Downtown Vegas that do both. But I'm very happy with the fact that uh, I've selected uh, Valley Martial Arts Center. Six years going there, it's fun. They they know if I'm not training with them, I'm usually out interviewing somebody or training with some athlete. I now routinely get asked, do you go get some training with uh, one of the guys you interviewed? They beat you up a lot? And the answer is usually yes. So want to shout them out. Thank you guys for always being very, very supportive. Um, I mean, here's the thing. There's so many of you. I'm not gonna name you all. I'm just gonna pick a couple and we'll go from there. Big shout out to John Evans, uh five timer on the show and Gexes. more. Uh he's always uh, been a huge supporter. He's always sending us great notes. He's now to the point where he's sending me crazy videos from Vice just to be like, You see this yet? So that's hilarious. Um big shout outs to a lot of our supporters. I know Kevin mentioned Paul Moran. I also want to shout out uh, you know, Marshall Carper um, Bubba McDaniel, our very first guest, who still occasionally – I have found, Kev. I didn't know this. Do you know he's a brown belt now? Bubba the Menace? Yep. He is oh. a brown belt. In the the in Dutch Key, no less. Terrifying. So, Yeah, I know. We don't need that in our lives. Um, but – Those individuals who very first came on our show and just kind of believed in the core concept of, you know, hey, we're going to make fun of you, just roll with it. And uh, of course, being very, very supportive, just everybody who listens. I can't tell you how many fun stories are when people recite jokes or interviews or things that we have done that are unique to our show. There's a lot of different podcasts, but you listen to us and that's really, really appreciative to us, whether it's making your commute a little bit easier or harder. I'm not really sure. You might get mad at some of the things that Gary says. Whether it's reviewing some of the UFCs or grappling events and trying to work out our therapy of that was a terrible event, like we did today with Kasai, and we were not going to let that drag us down. One bad event was not going to drag down 300. Uh, But whether it's even interacting with you guys via memes or social media, it's, it's so much fun. And our ground rule continues to be the same. As long as it is fun, we are going to keep continuing to make content for you guys. And uh, we hope that you come at it with the same passion that you do. It always makes us laugh whenever you guys tell us fun things. Come up, train with us. I'm going out to Vegas this weekend. I will be at Masters Worlds in some capacity. So um, I must say, though, Kevin, I will have a championship belt on my shoulders again. Because somebody, don't want to spoil it, beat somebody... With a 59 and O record.
0: Can't wait. Just can't So,
1: wait. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey,
0: that'll do it. Oh, I'm sorry. Where's he? you, you No, nah, that's breath. it. Hey, that'll do it for us tonight. <laughs> here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thank you for listening.
1: Good night and good fight. What would you have done if I said I wasn't done? I, I, was, I might have
0: cut it out. I might have just been like, nah, I get
1: shot about 300. It's like,
0: we're crushing us. We've really learned each other's patterns.
1: And another thing, you uh, sons of gonna, bitches. Never mind. We're, we're, we're Times 300. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is.
2: Please note, the new number is.